it's a dream, although I did have it when I was asleep. But it's, you know, sometimes when you dream something and the image comes back again and again and again. Well, it was one of those. It's, I've, had, I've had video replay going on in, in my mind. So I want to share this picture in a moment. I want to share it with you. Um, I want to share some scriptures this morning. Um, but it was a conversation I was having with Darren, I think, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about moving into the building and church being in this space and thinking about growth. Thinking, OK, what happens when every one of these chairs is full? Well, OK, we'll bring some more chairs in. We've got some spare chairs in another room. We can bring those in and we can bring those in and we can make it a bit more crowded. And we can open up the side doors. But then what? Because the least we will have on this building will be for the next two and a half years. But then what? And then Darren very creatively said, well, we're already recording the sermon in here. We could just broadcast it to the room next door. We've already got a projector that could go in there. Was, okay, we've already got a place for growth. You know, and then if you can believe beyond this room being filled and that room being filled, well, okay, you've got a big faith, thank you. But then you know, God will have the next thing in mind because God goes before us. God goes before us. God doesn't follow us. I mean, he does in the sense that you read in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Even there your hand will, will find me. But he goes before us. And he prepares a path and he prepares a way and he prepares people. So let me pray. I'm going to come around a particular word this morning. But Lord, as we gather in your name, as we gather around your word, Father, would you speak to us, Lord God? Father, would you set seeds, Lord God? Father, would you release potential? Father, would you speak? Because when you speak, it's creative, Lord God. It establishes something. And let your will be done, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want to say is this, that God guides us, God provides, and he supplies and all of those are true. And I'm sure there are different people in the room who say, yes, I've been guided by God at different times in, in my life. You know, there's been times when genuinely I have been lost. I was in Mexico once in a car on my own. And I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a phone that worked with SatNav. And I got lost. I, I confidently said, I can find my way from the hotel to the church. I've done it three times. I can drive myself. That's not a problem. And I got to a particular junction and I had one of those blank, blank moments when I thought, I don't recognise where I am. I don't know whether I need to turn left or right or straight on. I do not know. Now, I don't know what you'd have done at that point, whether you'd have pulled over and asked somebody, but I'm a man. And men don't ask. OK, we don't ask those kind of things. So I thought, OK, I'm going to brave through this. I, I went straight on. And I went straight on and I said, I definitely don't recognise this because there was a very, there was a pinata shop, you know, one of those shops that makes those things that you fill up with sweets and you bang them and all the sweets fall out. There was this big shop on the corner. And it was so obvious, I thought, I've never been here before. So I cannot have been down this road. So I am now lost. And I had a choice. I could either try and go back and find out where I got lost or I could carry on. Now, I'm a man. So I thought, I've got to carry on. So I carried on a bit further and I ended up two or three streets further on and thought, I don't like the look of this part of Mexico City. I really don't feel comfortable with where I am. So I pulled over and I prayed. And I just felt, God gave me a picture. God gave me a picture of a particular um, restaurant. It was, it was streets, 
and I just thought it was an image, so I, I just carried on driving the way I was going. And I came to a particular junction, and as I looked to my left, I saw this, this a very similar restaurant to this picture. And so I turned left, and then I, I went past the restaurant. And I thought, I now know where I am. I recognize where I am. And it was just that simple. You know, you can be that little bit off course. You can be one street out, and you are completely lost. And it only takes a little nudge for us to be back on track. And I believe God, he provides, he supplies, he guides. There are places and moments when he will actually nudge us and go, just a little off track, Dave. Just, 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 just make an adjustment. Just make a very, very small adjustment. And so the picture I have was this. How many, how many people have ever tried skimming stones? You know, you go to the beach, you go to the seaside, you try and find a really flat stone, and then you try and flick it across the water, and you try and make it bounce across the surface of the water. Never played that game? Yeah, and I don't know what your record might be. I've certainly managed six and seven and eight, and maybe more than that. I, I lost count, but, you know, a number of times. And the flatter the water, the flatter the stone, the, the, you know, the better you can get at it. If, if the sea is rough, you know, you're lost. And I was just thinking about this picture, and I was thinking about the impacts that we have. I was thinking about, I've been talking to a number of gen generations of young people. We've had youth in this church for decades. Um, I was probably involved with youth for nearly 20 years through the church at Manacroft School at, at New Road, and had a number of generations. Now, I don't know what you'd call a generation. For me, when the Bible talks about a generation, a generation is probably more than 15 years. If you think about people getting married, having children, okay, well, you, legally in the UK, you can't get married till you're 16. If you then had a child, so a generation is probably going to be 20 years. Every 20 years, a new generation, something like that. And probably with the modern society we live in and people having children later, maybe it's gone up a bit. So every 20, 25 years, a new generation. And I was thinking about, you know, thinking about the young people that have been through, thinking about, okay, over those 25 years, how many groups are young people through? And some of those are now arriving on our doorstep carrying little babies. So young people who come to youth in church, not necessarily come to church, but come to, to youth church, um, are now arriving on our doorstep visiting and saying, okay, this is my little one. They've got married or they've had kids. And, then that, that, you know, and they're coming back and they're having conversations about things that we had conversations with them about 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, What? You remember what I said to you at youth group 20 years ago? And it's a seed. It's something that was sown. And so I remember Adam coming up to me. I met, I met him in a coffee shop uh, last year. And he said, Dave, you said this. I said, did I? I don't remember. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember. He said, yeah, it changed my life. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and he genuinely said, you know, I, I took a different journey because of that one particular night at youth group. I was hanging around with the wrong kind of people. And on that night, I felt it was not where I needed to be. And I made a change. I made a small change. It wasn't a big thing, but it was a small thing. But it meant he was back on course. He meant he was back on track. He's now in church. He's married. He's got a, uh, one daughter, another one on the way. You know? And so I was just thinking about little things that you and I have done that we have no idea about. You know, I don't know what you're like, but the older I get, the, the closer I get to I'm no longer going to be here on this earth. And therefore, I'm going to have less and less time to have impact. 
Now, what I read that David says, we have roughly three score years and 10, 70 years. Um, average life expectancy of a woman in Britain is, I think, 86 now, or 83 for a, for a man. So, okay, three score years and 10 plus a little bit more, maybe. Okay, so I've got a few decades to go. And if every one of those bounces of the stone is an impact in somebody's life or impact in a generation, how many bounces of a stone am I going to leave? Because, you know, one of the things I'm absolutely sure about, and I'm sure you'd be the same, I do not want to leave this earth and just leave a headstone or a memorial stone. If that's all I do, I have failed. And when I think about, and yesterday Julia and I were having dinner with John and Denise, who used to be part of the church many years ago, and they were talking about us investing in their children and Sunday school, and I was thinking, you know, I don't remember some of those things. And they were replaying to us stuff. And now their daughter right now is on, in Bible school in Reading in California at the School of Miracles and Missions. And she's coming back to the UK and she's on fire for God. And they put some of that down to Sunday school at Running Me Christian Fellowship. And the people who invested in her decades ago, she's now in her mid-twenties. Just think, God, I don't remember some of the things I said to her. I don't remember some of the things I said to her brother, Cade. But John and Denise were saying, thank you. Thank you for investing in our children. Church, I want to say thank you for investing in one another. We do not know the impact that we will have. When somebody looks you in the eye and tells you you're a good person, when somebody looks you in the eye and says, be encouraged. Jill does this from time to time. She'll, I just want to encourage you. Can you imagine? A, you know, she said that many times. I just want to encourage you. you know, that just want to encourage you echoes in eternity. It's a skimming of those stones. Bounce, bounce, bounce. The echo, you don't just get encouraged there. You get encouraged again when you think about what Jill said. You get encouraged again. And so there are things that happen. Those bounties go on. And they go on beyond just you and me into the next generation. Because, you know, if we're different, then our children are different. And if our children are different, then their children are different. And sometimes it's just a little nudge to get us back on track. Let me give you a little nudge to think about. As I was sitting around um, the table with some friends this week, having a meal with them, on their placemat, they said, good things happen, especially around the table. Actually, do you know what? If you read Jesus and his ministry, he did lots of things around the food table. And I wonder how often our table gets used. Our dining table does not get used enough. Let, let me look at my own self. Our dining table does not get used enough. You know, it's on the lap in front of the TV sometimes. Well, many times, if we're honest. And sometimes that moves from just being me to me and Julia, or me and Julia plus a couple of friends. And maybe the TV gets turned off then, but actually, do you know what? There's something different about sitting around the table. And when I think about it, when we sit around the table, we're often not just sitting around the table before the food and during the food, but after the food. And sometimes we look at our watches and go, oh my goodness, it's time to go to bed. And we haven't left the table. Sometimes we end up playing games after dinner and those kind of things. But there's something about coming together around food and sharing together. And yeah, one of the things I distinctly remember with senior citizens when we ran a senior citizens lunch. And do you know what? We could do something again. I, you know, I'm really tired. I just thought of that. You know, there's a kitchen here. We could easily do something very simple with people who want to cook. And one of the things I remember hearing from those senior ladies and gentlemen 
was, I like eating with somebody else. And I said, you know what, even if it's only once a month, just the ability to sit around a table and eat with some other people is valuable to us. They're talking about community. They're talking about communion with one another. They're talking about family and extended family. And so that was my image, was, okay, if, if I'm going to leave an impact, if we as a church are going to leave an impact into generations, if we're going to skim our stone of impact across the generations, how many generations are we going to impact? Is it one? Is it two? Is it ten? Because some of it depends on the quality of the stone, the thing that we launch. Some of it depends on our skill and our creativity, and some of it depends on the, the water that we launch it into. And all of those ingredients affect how far that stone will skim. So those things that we launch into our children, those things that we launch into other families, those, those words that we say, those pictures that we share, they will have an impact beyond just the moment when we do it. And sometimes it's also about turbocharging those words. If you say, do you know what, I'm really concerned about you. If, if God prompts you to say to someone, you know, just go and have a chat with them. And you have a chat with them, you say, do you know what, I'm a little concerned about you. You know, what can I do to help? But you know, the turbo boost comes when you follow up and you reach out to them and say, you know, we spoke on Sunday, we spoke in the week, how are you doing? When somebody tells you about something, maybe a, a, a sister who's not well, and you remember that, maybe the week or the week after, or, or you text them or WhatsApp message them or ring them up and just say, How's your sister doing? You know, that memory is a turbo boost saying, I care. Now, sometimes that can be God-ordained. Sometimes that can just be us just getting involved. And so my first scripture this morning starts in one of my favorite psalms. It's actually the longest psalm that David wrote. Anybody know the shortest psalm in David's psalms? He wrote 150. Does anybody know the shortest psalm? Nope. Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm. I'm going to read it all of you. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you today. Okay? Psalm 117. It's not in the slides, Simon. I'm just going with the, as the Lord leads me right now. Psalm 117 says this. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord him with all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. That's the whole psalm. That's the whole psalm. Now, I'm not going to read you the psalm that I'm going to read from now, because Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. I just read you two. But Psalm 119 is the longest song that David wrote. And Psalm 119, verses 49 to 56, says this. Remember the word to your servant upon you have caused me to hope. So the word caused him to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remember your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I keep your precepts, because I keep your promises. That sounds like David's having a really hard time, you know. Actually, he's having a bit of a whinge here. Look at those other people who aren't keeping your laws. I am indignant. I am indignant about, you know. Do you know we do get indignant? We do get indignant sometimes. But sometimes we need to turn our indignation back to prayer. Because that's what powers our prayer. 
Godly dissatisfaction is a great place to be because it empowers us to actually do something. It gives us tenacity. But actually, David's talking about here very clearly that he has need and God helps him in that time of need. In Joel 3, verse 10, it says this. Beat up your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Now, I don't know what you take from that scripture when Dole talks about that. Let the weak say that I am strong. He's not saying that I am strong. He said, let the weak say I am strong. So actually, do you know what? To be strong compared to someone who's weak, you just need to be a little bit stronger. Just a tiny little bit stronger. Now, from time to time, somebody will give me a jar of something and say, Dave, can you open this for me? You know what I'm talking about? When you're trying to open that jar and you haven't got, quite got the grip. And I'll take it off them and say, of course I will. And then I get beaten by the jar as well. And I think, oh, you wimp. And, you know, but I take the hold of the jar and I, I do my best. And I even get a towel and I wrap a towel around it. And I even run, to, run it under a hot tap and do all those things and still can't open it. And then somebody comes along and just seems to open it with a flick of their wrist. And I think, oh, well, I, I loosened it for you, didn't I? But, you know, just to be strong compared to the weak, we just need to be a little bit stronger. But actually, if we are weak, then we need to know we're weak. And if we know we're weak, then we need to trust in God. As a, a, I've told this story before now, but I'll tell it again because it's relevant at this particular moment. As a lady goes to a church in Helena, part of the LifeLinks network, and um, her husband was out working on his car. And he was out working on his car and he got his car jacked up and there was a wheel off and he was doing something under the car. I don't know the details of what he was doing. Not the kind of thing that I would do. But the car was up on a jack. And he was trying to undo some kind of bolt under the car. And he was pulling on the bolt. And he pulled the bolt and the car wobbled off the jack. And now the, the car is lying on this guy's chest under the car. He's screaming. His, his wife's inside. And she comes outside and it's a big kind of, uh, you, you imagine the kind of American type of homesteads, you know, big front gardens, long drives, you know, and she, she's out there not knowing what to do. There's nobody else out. She's screaming, shouting, no, you know, no, nobody else seems to be hearing her. So she's, she's desperately trying to hold the wheel arch and trying to, you know, there's no way she's going to even kind of take the weight of the car enough to reveal the pressure, release the pressure. But she, you know, she, she has a go. She gets hold of the arch of the, the wheel and she, she tries to lift it up just to ease the pressure on her husband's chest. And he's still screaming under the car. She, you know, get some help, get some help. And she didn't want to run off. So she, she, she shouted out in Jesus' name. She screamed in that moment, in the name of Jesus. And as she did, the car came up and he rolled out and you know, he ended up in hospital and he had bruised, bruised ribs and a couple of broken ribs. But he was fine. And she shared this testimony in church, not when I was there, but I met her. She said, you know, I don't know whether angels helped me. I don't know whether God gave me supernatural power. But the one thing I know is that I couldn't do it. And I had to ask God to help me. And she called out, Jesus, help me. In the name of Jesus, she shouted. You know, just in, in those moments, there are things that we cannot do. And the impossible becomes possible. But it becomes possible through an agent. That agent is you and me. We are, we're not, we're not the power people. We're not the power lifters who are able to tear telephone directories in half. 
But we are the agent who calls down heaven, calls down angels or calls down God's provision. And that doesn't necessarily have to happen with you know, that supernatural example. There's a video that I tried to find because I wanted to show you of um, a person who was trapped under a taxi in London. I don't know where you've seen it. It went viral on, on social media. Somebody who got trapped under a taxi, was run over on a taxi, and they had hundreds of people. They, they were calling more and more people to come around, and they actually lifted the taxi off this person. Now, I, I don't know whether there are any Christians involved in that, but what I'm saying is that sometimes God can bring help with other people. It doesn't always have to be an angel. It doesn't always have to be supernatural. Sometimes it can be supernatural through people. But in our times of weakness, when we say, God, help me, God helps us. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, it says this. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His strength is made his strength is made perfect in my weakness. His strength is revealed when I cry out and say help. And particularly here he's talking about actually when I'm infirm, when I'm not well. There's a place where God can be glorified. And I hear different people talking different ways about these things and some people say I I won't acknowledge I'm sick. Well, as Julia was sharing about Tadiwa, Tadiwa you know has this growth inside his head but but it's it's because that is there that we can pray. You know, if he didn't have a growth on his brain, we wouldn't need to pray for his tumour. We wouldn't need to ask God to do something that the doctors can't do. We wouldn't need to ask for a miracle. Same with Charlie. We wouldn't need to ask for a miracle if Charlie was fine. You know, Charlie's on a journey. You know, there is something about relying on God that is captivating. And when we can look back on our lives and remember moments in our lives when we have been captivated by relying on God. It's a bit like um, if you've ever done a dangerous sport, if you've ever done hang gliding, if you've ever done parachuting, there's that moment when you have to put your trust in the equipment. You know, and when you're on your back on ground earth, you want to be back up in the sky again. It's like when we sail with God, when we put our faith in God, there's something about that connection that is tangible, that is uh, exciting. I, I can only put it that simply. There's, it's exciting when we pray and God answers our prayers. It's exciting. I'll tell you what, people tell you about it. You know, at different seasons in different churches, there have been times when I've had friends of mine and pastors who said, I don't have a testimony time. He said, because we'd be there for the rest of the day. There's something amazing going on in Reading at the moment through a network of churches in Reading where people are going out and seeing God healing people on the streets. And I don't mean Reading, California. I mean Reading, Berkshire. That's only 25 minutes away. And Clem told me about this. Clem was talking about it. said, have you heard what's going in, on in Reading? And I went, oh, yeah, I know about the miracle school in Reading, California. He said, no, not California. Reading, UK. I went, really? And he, uh, he shared some stuff with me. I was like, wow. 
God is doing stuff in our land. Now, God, do it here. Now, so he, he, he fulfills, his, he shows us his faithfulness. And in Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Yeah, sometimes, some people, I'm thinking of my sister now as an example, they struggle to get up in the morning. You know, for them, bed becomes a prison. And so actually, with this scripture, something that's helped my sister over a number of years, when she said, you know, the Lord is my strength of my life. She said, you know, sometimes I have to pray that prayer just to get out of bed. And you think, no, sure, how can people? People do. People do get stuck. They do get stuck in places and they can't get out. Uh, there, are, there are people who are addicted to things, who are in prison in their addiction. And their addiction can be passed on to their children, both chemically and environmentally. And so actually, there can be negative things that get bounced onto generations. And I don't want to sow into negativity. I want to sow into positivity. I want to sow the words of God that will impact not just the next generation, but the generation beyond that. And therefore, I want to choose to be God's agent in any particular time or purpose. One of my markers disappeared. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong of, and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a fantastic scripture. Have I not commanded you? God says to us, be strong. Of good courage, not bad courage, good courage, courage that lasts, courage that remains. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Now there's a scripture to carry every day. The moment you feel afraid, be of good courage. The moment you dismay comes upon you, and, and people can put dismay on us. People can put dismay on us, and we can choose to receive it. Sometimes people will come with it, and they'll say, here's some dismay for you. They're not actually saying it's dismay, but the, 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 what's effective, they're giving us dismay, and saying, here you are, here, here's a present for you. And we take it, and we say, thank you. Or we can say, no thanks. I'm not going to have dismay. I'm going to be of good courage. I'm going to be... Of good courage. This scripture is one of my favourite scriptures. There's not many that I would stick with me over the years. But Isaiah 40 says this. Beginning at verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Do you know that's, that's a fantastic scripture for the Google generation. His understanding is unsearchable. I don't know whether you're part of the Google generation. I don't know if those listening online are part of the Google generation. But do you know what? We don't remember things anymore. Yeah. If I ask you your phone number, some people will go, oh, I don't know. So I'll, I'll give you my phone number. Um, and you have to look it up in your phone. You have to look up your own phone number. 
And then, then people would say, um, we, were, we were asking about, we were thinking about some older generational people, and we were thinking about Joanna Lumley, who's a, an actress. And somebody said, how old is she? And immediately the young people who were with us said, oh, we'll Google it. And their, their, their world is, let's not keep anything in our heads anymore. We can Google it. And I'm not knocking Google. Google's a fantastic capability. But here's a question for you. Will there be a time in the future when we won't be able to remember any scriptures? We'll just say, oh, we'll Google it. So let me give you a little test, because this is, this is kind of woven into my... Does anybody got a song that comes from the sermon that I've been sharing so far? Is there a... Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the whole. And now let the weak say I am strong. Okay? And I've shown you where that comes from. And then it goes on to say, what's the next line in that song? The, the weak say I am strong. The poor say I am rich. Yeah. Well done. Well remembered. Yeah. So you remember. Yeah. You don't need to Google it, Joe, at all. You remember. And actually, there's a really strong connection between music and memory. Dementia, people, dementia organizations do a lot of stuff with singing. Um, I sometimes go and sing in, in old people's homes, and I'll sing the old songs. My old man's a dustman. White Cliffs of Dover, those kind of things. Um, and those kind of songs. And even though they could not remember their birthday, like you start singing a song and they finish it for you. Somehow there is some connection between music and memory. That's, that's amazing. And uh, where am I going with this? I've now lost my thread by getting distracted. Googling, yeah, the Google generation. The Google generation. His, and and so, so actually, I, I wonder in the future when there will be a stage when actually we won't remember any scriptures, we'll just Google it. And so that scripture, the weak say I am strong, the poor say I am rich. Is that in the Bible? Bit of homework for you. Okay, I'll leave it with you. Is it in the Bible? I'll, I think the principles there. I think I could I could preach a sermon based upon those principles. But is there a phrase that says the poor say I am rich in the Bible? Yes. Okay, that's a bit of homework for you. So in in Isaiah forty it says um, his understanding is unsearchable. That's fantastic for the Google generation because that means it's not going to be found in Google. <laughs> Because it's unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. I've already given you at least one testimony this morning, and I'm sure we could think of others. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. I'm going to use Emily as an example. I've used her. She, bless her. She's gone to be with the Lord now, but used to live in Grove Court, 93 years old, used to come to senior citizens. And the frailer she got, the weaker her arms got and her knees got. And she'd come to senior citizens and she'd say, do you know what, Dave? She said, whenever I need to get out of my chair and my legs don't work properly and my arms won't help me, she said, I just ask Jesus to help me. And every time I get out of my chair. And she genuinely meant it. She didn't, she didn't cry out to God. She just said, Jesus, I need a little help right now. You know, she'd push on the arms of a chair. She'd have one of those chairs that was raised up so she had less distance to go. You know, the kinds of things I'm talking about. And she still struggled to get up out of her chair in her little flat to go and make herself a cup of tea. She said, yeah, I, 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 it was just like Jesus was my helper. I would just ask him simply and say, Jesus, I need a little help right now. She said, without fail, I'd get up out of the chair every time. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, 
he increases their strength. There's Emily's scripture. She, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And this scripture is actually true for me. I, many, many years ago, you might not know this, but I, I used to love backpacking. Before I met Julia, I used to get, I put a rucksack on my back and a tent, and I'd walk, I'd walk to the Pennine Way, 270 miles from Derbyshire to Scotland. I've walked around the coast path all the way around Cornwall, 510 miles. I've walked around the Pembrokeshire coast path, 170 miles. And, you know, I don't know whether you've ever carried a rucksack on your back all day with a tent and all your food in it and all your clothes in it. But you know what? When you take the rucksack off at the end of the day, it's like you are moonwalking. Having carried 20, 30 pounds on your back for six, seven, eight hours, you take that rucksack off and it's just like you're moonwalking. You feel like you can, you can fly. You, remember, you see, see the pictures of people walking on the moon and they take a step and they, it's a 10 foot step. That's genuinely the way you feel. And so when I read this scripture, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I was walking up the Pennine Way. It was in August and it was snowing. We were up on a place called Crossfell, which is the, uh, the highest mountain on the Pennines. So it's the highest part, 2,900 feet, and it was snowing and it was cold. And I'd had enough. And uh, we want, I, I said, you know, I can't go any further. And Chris, who was traveling with me, who was uh, one of the ushers at my wedding, that's how long I've known him. He said, Dave, just need a bit more strength, mate. And so I called on the Lord. And I was young then. I was, I guess I was 17, 18 at the time. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Genuinely, at that particular point, I was cold. I was tired. I was fed up. I wanted to curl up in a corner and go to sleep for a few hours. And I waited on the Lord. And do you know what? By the end of the afternoon, I was still going. Somebody had replaced my batteries, and I can only suggest that was God, as he renewed my strength. And Ephesians chapter 6, and we know this scripture so well. It talks about the whole armour of God. Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. I'm going to read the whole of it. And it starts off, finally, my brethren. So normally when people put finally, they're kind of saying, We're coming, I'm coming to the end, but I want you to remember this. Here's my most important thing. You know, normally they say, tell people what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them again. Okay, so in verse, in verse 6 in Paul's letter, chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For those who wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's lots of alls in here. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may 
opened my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong. Church, I want to say, let's be strong in him. Let's not be proud of the fact that we're strong in our own abilities. And the reason I guess I was really thinking about a lot of this stuff is, do you know what? It's so easy to default to our own capabilities. When you're running out, when you're running dry of energy, enthusiasm, creativity, we just tend to look to ourselves and dig deeper. Or we'll reach out to somebody else to say, can you help me? Surely our default setting ought to be the Lord. Do you know, I've seen the difference between taking something that has a flat battery, where if, if you imagine one of those children's toys and it kind of moves very slowly because the battery's gone flat. And then you take that battery out and you put a new battery in and suddenly it's, it's going and it's talking and it's off. You know, that's the empowering sense that God can do to us. That we can go from being on a flat battery to our battery being completely recharged. And it can happen in a moment. It's, don't, fill this, don't fill this image with your logic of, oh, you need to recharge a battery overnight. Do you know what? God can come and touch us in a moment, and in a moment we can be recharged. In a moment we can turn from being weak to being strong. In a moment we can turn from being, let me use the word stupid, to being clever. Because God can drop a, a, a drop from heaven into our brain, into our hearts, into our muscles. And we can go from weak to being strong. We can go from stupid to being clever. We can go from having no knowledge to having the knowledge that we need. Those, some of those are manifest in the gift of the Spirit. There is a thing called the gift of knowledge. Okay, There is a thing called the gift of wisdom. I can have no wisdom. And then God can download some wisdom into me and I can use it. Okay, And one of the things I want to say is be strong. But you know, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that we're weak. If we, we don't need a gift of knowledge. If I don't ha- need a gift of knowledge if I think I've already got the knowledge. Because I will not use the gift, I will use mine. Now, if I think I know something, and I can prove this particular statement to you, a quiz program comes up on the TV. And John, who lives with us, he says this. If Dave answers the question confidently, question it. So a quiz question comes up with something about some kind of chemical formula. And I'll come up boldly with some kind of question. Because I don't know the answer. But you know, sometimes you can bluff your way. Sometimes you can bluff your way. You can say things confidently. I've been told that if you wanted to break into somewhere, the best way is to walk in the front door confidently, looking like you belong there. I'm not recommending that. I'm not recommending breaking the law. But what I am saying is boldness makes an enormous difference. And boldness can be something else we can download from heaven. Now, if somebody's fallen over in the street and you walk up to them and say, are you all right? Um, I wondered if I could help you. Some people will say, no, I'm all right, thanks very much. If you can't say, I noticed you fall down, let me help you up. It's a completely different statement. Instead of, can I help you? And and you're still giving them permission to say no. You come along with confidence. 
You know, sometimes I think we need to do that with God. We need to kind of take God's hand and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to go and walk into this circumstance. I have nothing to give here. I have no strength to give here. I am weak, but you are strong. I am going to go. And when God calls, let me go back to the title now. Let me go back to the title. He guides, he provides, he supplies. When God calls us to go somewhere, he's going to provide us. And we don't need to kind of look in our pockets and go, oh, where's the 500 quid I need to pay for this? If God has called you to do something, he will line you up the provisions and with the resources as well. And let me give you kind of something to close for you to think about. Because godly contentment is great gain. Godly contentment is, is great gain. If God calls you to do something, and I've, I've not been asked to do this yet, but I've had friends who've done this. I had a friend of mine who was, God told him to give his car away to somebody. It was an okay car. It was about six or seven years old, but he was his only car. He didn't have a second car. And there was somebody in the church that he was part of that needed a car. They had children. They were far from the school. You know, their car broke down. They didn't have enough money to buy another car. And he felt God say to him, give them your car. Give, now, I don't know what you'd think, but I'd go, um, um, I'll give them some money towards another car. Because immediately I'm thinking, how am I going to get to work? How am I going to do the things? That, that's what I would have done in the natural. But he very clearly felt God say, give your car away. And he was faithful. He gave his car away. He said, God's told me to give you this car. Here's my car keys. It's yours. Let's do the paperwork as soon as we can. Do you know what? Within a week, within a week, he was traveling on the bus, and within a week, he got promoted at work, and they said, with your new job comes a car, a company car. Now, what I'm saying here is, you know, if he had just said, no, no, wait, he would have probably still got promoted. He would have still got the company car. Okay, and then he would have had the company car and he could have given away his car and it would have been logical. But it wouldn't have been a faith statement. What he did by doing it the other way he did it was he made it a faith statement. People looked at him and said, you're crazy. How are you going to get to work? He said, well, I'll get the bus. That's okay. It's not a problem. Other people do it. But there were people who were looking at him saying, you're crazy giving your car away. And within a week... Now, he already knew whether he didn't have the car within a week. It took a bit of time. But, um, but he knew where the next car was coming from. But it, was, it became a faith statement because he said, I tr God, you've asked me to do this. I'm going to do it by faith. I'm not going to worry about my weakness because you will provide and you will supply. And God supplies all our needs, especially in our places of weakness. So let me pray. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that we can we can trust you. We can trust you in our times of lack, in our times of need. We can come to you like the widow and ask, Lord God. And when we have nothing, you will provide. And so, Father God, as we stand in your presence, as we sit in your presence, we think of our own inadequacies, our own lack, Lord. And sometimes we need help. Father, help us to be men and women who will ask of you. And if we ask of you, 
Lord, you will hear our cry. You will provide. You have a storehouse in heaven full of provision. Lord, you have agents that you can send, people you can release, resources that you can direct, Lord God, to cause us to walk in faithfulness and hopefulness and to give far beyond our own capacities. So, Father God, we thank you that when we are weak, you make us strong. And we can be rich in you, even when we are poor in ourselves. Father, help us to be people this week who choose to give and not to count the cost. Who choose to go without worrying about the consequences. Because we walk as men and women of faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to play